Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Appreciate everyone listening tonight. I wanted to uh, I want to talk for a moment about people's encounters. And, and for those of you out there who have had encounters, I think the bulk of our audience probably has not had an encounter, uh, but is either intrigued by the subject uh, or enjoys the subject. Those of you who have had an encounter will understand what I'm talking about. I took a video... I wanted to show people on SasquatchChronicles.com what the area looked like where Woody and I had our encounter. So I went up there. I have a uh, bought a cheap GoPro, went up to the place, and started filming it. And as I was filming it, I almost didn't want. I almost didn't post this to the website because I looked pretty wimpy in the in the video, and I didn't like how I portrayed myself. But it's interesting when you retell an experience, retell an encounter, and as you've heard many encounters on the show, you get a sense that the person is reliving what they're going through. And it's true when you've had an encounter, you do relive, you do relive the moment. And so, in my great, uh, great idea of going up and filming the area where Woody and I, Woody and I had our encounter, it. It bothered me more than I thought it would. And as I was filming it, kind of explaining, here's where they're walking in on us. Here's where the one crawled up on us. Here's where, um, you know, here's where all these different things happened. And kind of explaining the area. It really hit me when, when I was filming where the one had walked across the road. And I, it really bothered me. I think the, the point... It's funny, your mind turns into almost like a movie reel. And as I was sitting there filming it, explaining where this one had walked across the road, um, all I could picture in my mind was that monster walking across the road and preventing us from leaving. And so it really bothered me. I appreciate everyone's nice comments uh, on SasquatchChronicles.com. It wasn't easy for me, so I definitely appreciate everyone's nice comments. Here's a, here's a clip from, from the actual video. Imagine coming up here at night. I mean, it looks kind of eerie during the day, but as you can come up here at night, it's even more creepy. But this is the game trail road I talked about that we, Woody wanted to uh, put in four-wheel drive and, and go down. And we came, we stopped about right here. 
And that's when Woody got out of the car and wanted to take a look at the game trail so we, he could jump back in and tell me everything's a-okay. We got four-wheel drive. Let's go. And off to our left is where we first started hearing footsteps. And I'll hop out here and show you. Man, it's creepy as hell up here. Um, we, when we're sitting in the car, and I'll show you off to our left over here is where we started hearing footsteps. Something walking through uh, this area right here towards the car. And right now it's February, but during the time of our encounter, it was November. And as you can see, the it's still kind of open, but this was a lot more open in November. A lot more uh trees a lot more deadfall this is the road where uh all the leaves were where i talked about the thing crawling out but as we sat in the in the car footsteps started off in this direction coming towards us and we could hear this thing walking through the brush coming towards us and off in this direction i could hear another set coming in on us and right directly in front of us, down a little ways, we could hear another set coming towards us. So we sat in the car, started hearing the footsteps come in, and trying to figure out what was going on. At the time of our encounter, this whole thing was a pile of leaves sitting up here that had fallen and just debris that had fallen. And as we were hearing the footsteps come up, something had come out of the brush. I want to say in this general direction, came out of the brush and came up. And this is where it started crawling towards the back of the car. Both of us had our windows down. We could hear this thing just coming um, through the brush. It would stop. It would growl at us. It'd come up a little bit more. And it's obviously, it wasn't up walking like I'm walking. Uh, this thing, I'm pretty sure, was down on its hands and knees, crawling towards the car. But it would growl, come up more, growl, all the way back up. And I'm pretty sure it came up to this to our back bumper. Um, and that's when we decided to back up and and get out of here. To actually get out of here, the road that we came down was is this road. It's the only road in. Uh, it's the only road out if you want out of here. Uh, this just takes you deeper and deeper and deeper into the woods. Uh, this is actually Yakult Mountain. I think that you can probably hear the river down there. Um, and I'll take you down there in a second and show you. But we've tried to climb up this. And it doesn't look like much. Uh, probably from here where my camera's sitting. But... That's a pain. It's it's a lot thicker than it looks, and it's just a pain to get up up into that area. When we came back to get the GPS, this is where we had seen footprints. And I'll, if I uh, grab it off Facebook, I'll show you the footprints. But this is where we saw, as you can see, the ground's not great for footprints. But right here on the hill, we... Got a pretty good footprint of this thing stepping and going back up. And I kind of think, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think they're up on that hill. I think they come down at night. And we've been up here many times. We've heard roaring from up in this direction. Uh, we've heard screaming from up in that direction. Uh, we've heard whooping. But as we backed up and we turned the car around... We pulled the car, what he probably drove, you know, 30, 40 feet, something like that. And we'd stopped here, so Woody turned the car off and said that uh, he just needed a second, couldn't drive us, both our hands were shaking. I was looking straight ahead, Woody was looking up to his left, and in this tree, it looked like a monkey 
wrapped around, just had its legs wrapped around, had its arms wrapped around, and it just looked like a monkey in a tree. Um, and I remember leaning over out of the car and looking up and just seeing this monkey in a tree. And as I sat back down and him and I just kind of talked about it, I had asked, you know, I, I told him I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a monkey in a tree. And about that time, off in this direction up here, we could hear breathing, something breathing heavy. Um, couldn't see it. But in this whole area, the moon was coming up from this direction and was just lighting this whole area up. But up on this ridge up here, something was breathing real heavy at us and we just couldn't couldn't see it. This is about where our car was stopped, um, where we had stopped to, I wanted to kind of show you, there's these white trees, I think they're white, kind of white trees. And as the moon was coming in, it was lighting this whole area up. Now, whatever we, these things were coming behind the car and they'd come from my vantage point in the car, looking down at my mirror, looking up at this hill, listening to the breathing. I could see these white trees. Something was running, what I know now what, what it was, but at the time I didn't know what it was, was running across this road. It would stand by these white trees and as the moon was coming in, it was lighting everything up. Um, I could make out a figure or whatever it was, but it would, it would almost block these trees. Then it would take off back, take off running this way. And it did it a couple times. It would run across this here, stand in front of these trees, run back, and I could see it from my, my passenger side mirror. And that's about the time I told Woody I wanted to leave. I didn't want to be here anymore. Let's go. We had time to kind of gather our senses and that's when the the big one stepped out right here as you see the road turning it stepped out into the road right here probably 60 70 feet away it stepped out into the road and it was just it would stop it would look at us turn you know kind of turn its body look at us and it took its sweet time getting across this road it's not there anymore but there used to be a down, downfall tree right over here it was a pretty big downfall tree, and that's when it was coming across this road, and it went behind this tree, and that's when we, it was playing the, uh, step out of the, uh, and I can't talk. I fucking hate this place. Um, it stepped out into the road. Oh, that's when the big one stepped out into the road. And he was taking a sweet time getting across this road. He would take... Uh, he came down from this area. He'd step down into the road. And would take one or two steps. Turn and look at us. One or two steps. Turn and look at us. One or two steps. Turn and look at us. There was a deadfall tree on the other side of this road um, that's not there now, but it used to be, we came back and measured it, it was about eight feet up off the ground, and that's when he stood behind it, and we could see him standing there. I don't, you know, he obviously wasn't hiding, but we could see him standing there, and he would come out and do kind of a pump action like he's going to charge us, and then he'd go back and stand behind the tree, and I... To this day, I don't know why he did that, but he would just come out and do a, come out, kind of pump like he was going to charge us, then go back and stand behind that tree. And he did that several times. And when he went back behind this tree, you can kind of see up on the right-hand side, there's kind of a, it's, I hate to say it's like a ridge top, but it's kind of goes up and... A white one or a light gray one jumped off of this and we literally saw it like in midair 
land in the middle of the road, and then it went down this way. The big one stepped out, and uh, he dropped down to all fours and kind of crawled out in the middle of the road, kind of looked at us, and then went off this side and went down. And I'll show you kind of where they're, they're headed, but um, yeah, it was a wild night. And again, to watch the full video, please go to SasquatchChronicles.com. First guest tonight, we'll be talking with Bruce. And Bruce kind of had an interesting encounter. He had actually a couple interesting encounters uh, really close to his property. But I wanted to bring Bruce on so he could talk about his encounters. Bruce, welcome to the show. Well, I've had a couple of encounters from a about 2011 when I moved into this house through 2013. Let's start off with your first one. Tell us what you were doing and what happened. Okay, well, the very first thing that happened was right after we moved in, uh, this is my mother-in-law's house, and she was in a nursing home. And um, the house had been empty for probably about a year or more. And it used to have a bunch of floodlights, and they're all gone now. Anyway, my, I slept in the basement because I have sleep apnea, so I've, I snore very loud and irregular. And my son was down there with me, and he woke me up, and he said there was a growling at the window. We had an open window at the time. He just It really freaked him out, and he saw some eyes shining through the window. Um, and then a couple of days later, uh, about 11 o'clock at night on a drizzly night. I, he's about 17, by the way. Um, I decided I wanted to go out and get some ice cream at the store for a little treat for he and I and his mother. So we were riding, and probably about a half half a mile from the house, we saw this huge black figure on the side of the road. And my first thought, I mean, I slowed down as I saw it to about 20, 25 miles an hour. And it was just a real light drizzle. My first thought was it was shaped like a Newfoundland, one of those big German uh, St. Bernard-type dogs. But it was about five foot tall at the shoulder. And the tail looked like it was broken halfway down or bent about like 20, 30 degrees. And it was wagging real slow. And as I rode by it, I was staring at it the whole time. And it was just black. It looked like black mangy fur that had been rolled in oil and then dirt and then wet. It just looked nasty. And it was, I was in a 2000 Explorer, and this thing was a little bit taller than the hood of my truck. And it was close enough my son could have reached out the window and touched it. And it was in a little dip off the edge of the road about a foot below the road height. And I just wish I had stopped because my headlights were just, you know, the road was bending. So my lights were right on it. I wish I'd hit the high beams and blew the horn to get it to move. I did a quick U-turn at the, the very next corner and it was gone. I was talking with my son and I mean, as soon as we had turned around to go look for it again, all that went through both of our minds was it had to be a Bigfoot or something like that. It had to be an arm sticking out. I mean, it's what it looked like. I was trying to make it a tail in my mind, but that would have been a huge dog. I mean, it, we're talking as big as a buffalo on the yeah. side of the road. And you know, I'm, and I've owned big dogs. I've had a St. Bernard, I've had Rottweilers. You know, I know what size dogs are. I know the biggest dogs are English Mastiffs. They get about 250 pounds, but this was no dog. I didn't have a head because that's what I was kind of looking for as I rode by was a head. It was like just this big, black, nasty, hairy blob with a thing sticking out that kind of looked like a tail, but more like an arm. And at hair, it was probably about five inches, six inches long, all matted up and hanging off of it. And it just kind of had like a blunt end to it. I mean, I didn't see a hand. My, my headlights weren't quite on that end of it. I was thinking a dog on all fours. But if I, you know, picturing it in my mind, and I've been thinking it over ever since. I mean, it's been stuck in my brain almost like an obsession. Like, you know, I just wish I'd blown the horn at it, but 
the best I can figure, it was like just a big Bigfoot with its arms sticking out back to the road and its head down where I couldn't see its head. And I rode up looking at its arm and its side. And as I rode past, I'm looking at its back. And that's the only thing I could figure it could be. I mean, it, it was just too huge. I mean, there's a, a farm that has cattle right across the street from there. And it was bigger than any of their cattle. So what mm-hmm. did you? What did your son say when you guys drove past it? Did did he? You guys drive past? Obviously, he, I don't think you guys really have bear that size out there. We give black bear up to about two hundred pounds, but they're very rare around here. Um, yeah. Now we did have a a news report that supposedly a mother and like three cubs were in the area. Maybe about three or four weeks later, and people were supposed to like stay away, but. Never heard anything about them catching it, moving them, killing them, or anything. Yeah, and, and it's it. Yeah, I know a bear. I mean, I've I've yeah. been, I've been in the woods. I was in the scouts. You know, I've yeah, I'm not a a big hunter. You know, I've yeah, I'm more of a person that gets deer deer fever where I will pop the shotgun at 300 yards at a deer. You know, <laughs> yeah, I just I get too trigger happy, so I don't hunt. It costs too much money when you're like that. Well, let me ask yeah. you this: What what was your guys' conversation like? You spun the car around. Obviously, you, you must have figured there was something wrong. Well, we we knew there was something wrong as we were going by it. I mean, it was it, it, we were going really slow. I mean, I'm I'm guessing probably twenty miles an hour. We looked at it for a good probably three seconds of time. I mean, cause it was a good hunk of road that we were riding a bend in it where it was at, and it was just still wagging that limb or whatever was sticking out really slow, probably moving it maybe like two, three inches. Yeah, just very unnatural looking. It just didn't look like it belonged. My son was, I mean, he's not one for panic, but he was rather boisterous. And, you know, we were both talking at the same time. Like, you know, what what was that? You know, know, making a lot of noise, not listening to each other. But, I mean, I just whipped the truck around and looked, and it was gone. And... You know, then we kicked ourselves the whole way down to the store to get ice cream. We we're talking about we should have stopped. It's a road where people it's forty five mile an hour road and a lot of people drive fast through there, so Yeah. Probably that's the only reason I didn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably best you didn't too, you know. You never know what's gonna happen when you run into some one of these things. Um Yeah, well I felt I felt kinda safe in a in an explorer with all the windows up. And you know, I could always gun it. <laughs> But after I've read some stuff on your website, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't stop and blow the horn at it. Yeah. Cause I, yeah no. I really don't, I don't need a better view of what it looked like. And I don't know how many more might've been around. I, I think I just like caught it off guard and it froze, you know, when, when my headlights hit it. Yeah. It makes you wonder what it was doing there next to the road. Almost you wonder if it was doing, you know, eating the roadkill. Well, well, right at my house, I have usually about four or five deer sleeping right next to the house. And we have deer constantly on that road killed. I mean, we have, you know, skunks, uh, deer. Now I'm not way out in the country, but deer just, you know, in yards and all up in this area. I mean, just tons of them. It's like nobody hunts in this area. I've had one more visual encounter, which actually confirmed the first, I think. And I've had a couple of, experiences that are weird around my house but um yeah about a year later i was um i'm I'm a night owl and i'm i've got a lot of arthritis so i don't sleep well and i woke up about five o'clock and decided to go do some grocery shopping when nobody's at the store and i got up and went out and warmed up truck and was going to the grocery store and the sun was just coming up and this is about probably a half mile to three quarters of a mile further down this road in more uh, an urban setting. But there's this real steep embankment beside the road at about probably like a 12-12 pitch roof. It's a 45 degree, a lot of, you know, brush and, you know, vine and stuff on it. It's, just, it's not kept at all. But it was in November and a lot of the green had fallen off. And I was probably about maybe 250, 300 feet away. But I saw something that looked like a, almost like a black stick figure 
run from the road straight up the hill, and it, it just looked like it was effortless and like it was just flying up this, this hill. I mean, by stick figure, I mean, it was just a black silhouette. It was thin, but it was moving. I mean, and this brush is six foot high. And, I mean, I can't really guess the height of it, but I'm imagining it's probably about seven and a half, eight foot tall. And it was just flying up that hill, just running. I mean, like, um, I mean, I, I can't even hardly describe it. Almost like an Olympiad. You know, just a perfect form, just moving. You know, the arms are flailing, but it was it was flying up that hill. I mean, there's no and there's no way you could even hardly walk up that hill, let alone run up. Was it on two legs when it was running up the hill? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely two legs. I'm kind of excited to actually get this stuff off my chest. Um, I didn't really pay attention to like dimensions of the arms and legs and the body. Yeah, I did, and you know, yeah, I mean, I didn't really pay much attention to that because I was just amazed at it going up the hill. But, I mean, it was just, it just looked like, you know, an athlete, you know, we're just perfectly flying up that hill. And, I mean, we got, we got joggers around here, but nobody's running up that hill. I mean, I can, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, is could it have been a person? Do you think it could have been a person running up that hill? I mean, and that's a question I realize that people might be asking in their minds when they hear it. Um, you know, uh, the hill, you know, the way it ran. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it was, it's tw like a 12, 12 pitch, you know, like a 45 degree angle and, you know, just weed covered vines, you know, little bushes and all kinds of stuff just to tear you up. And I'm on disability. I don't make much money. I would give somebody a hundred dollars if they could run up that hill in less than five minutes. How many seconds did you get to see it and how much ground do you think it covered? Oh, well, I, I saw it for, uh, I'd say maybe two seconds at max. And it went, um, point to point, probably about a hundred and 125 feet, maybe. Yeah. That's quite the, uh, especially up that incline, you know, if you're sitting there yeah, going I mean, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, it's covering a lot of ground yeah. in a short amount of time. Yeah, it was like it was only like six or seven steps to it. I mean, it just, it almost looked like a cartoon the way it, you know, it moved up the hill. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, I'm I'm thinking, you know, physics, it's like, you know, the feet should be sliding out from under it and it should be grabbing at the ground and, but it's just running. It's just flying up the hill. Well, tell me what's going on around your property. You said you had a few things going on around your property. Well, I've kind of given up sleeping in the basement because right in the basement, the bat it has a walkout basement with a a big glass door that I now keep a lot of like old wire and stuff in front of. <laughs> but um it's kind of got a sheltered area that's just pitch black behind the house. Um this is my father in law landscaped the place like perfect for burglars. Because <laughs> there's like these twenty foot trees on every corner of the house and then the whole back is lined with trees about twenty five feet behind us and little cubby hole where the deer love to lay right next to the house back there and um yeah i'm laying there and i've got a window unit air conditioner in the basement and it's you know so the windows are cracked open a little bit you can hear me outside and with my sleep apnea when i'm sleeping yeah i'm doing you know i'll stop breathing and then go <laughs> real loud you know and one night i was down there um Let's say it was probably after I saw that one run up the hill, but I have a little dog. It's a half cocker spaniel, half dachshund. Uh, she's about like 12 pounds, right? Pretty fearless for most of the part. Well, anyway, she's down there with me and, uh, I woke up, she had, I was on the couch and she had crawled up on top of my head and she was just trembling. I mean, just about ready you know, vibrate the top of my head off. And I woke up and pulled her off. And it was right at sunrise, and I heard this <clears throat> like that at the window, and I looked over, and a shadow fell over the whole window. And then I heard, like, three thumps, and that was it. Yeah, it was gone. I mean, I didn't see anything, but the light was blocked, and then it was 
the light was there again. And I heard this, it just these three loud thumps outside, like it was running off or it hit something or it was just, yeah, and that was it. And my son has heard weird sounds out the back from the basement. And, you know, we'd be sitting there watching TV and, like, just pause the TV and you hear things out there or you hear all the deer just all of a sudden run away. Yeah, it's uh, pretty odd. Now, my son did have one experience by himself. He was uh, jogging on our road, and um, there's uh, an access that comes up to our neighborhood where he likes to finish. He runs downhill, then walks back up the hill. And as he was walking back, he saw something about three foot tall that was black. And and this is also a very steep hill, but it's very short. But he saw these two black things stick up in the air, and it just darted up the hill. And it was like three foot tall, just a black blob with like two black things up in the air. And he said he stood there for a minute, and then he walked up the hill, and he couldn't find anything. And all I was thinking, you know, yeah, if we're seeing Sasquatch here, which that would have been a young one. And that means mom was probably watching him while he was going up the hill. But other than that, I mean, we've heard a few things. Last couple of years, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, it almost makes you want to go check out up that hill. Well, I mean, I've been up there. It's a, you know, it's a really nice property up there, but it's just lined with uh, really thick with about yeah, 20, 30-year-old pines. Yeah, the man had put there to hold the erosion back. But, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't want to mess with them. Yeah. (laughs) No, I hear you. you Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm a pretty brave guy. I used to be a power lifter. Yeah, I I benched 600 pounds one time in a local competition back in my 20s. And, you know, I'm still pretty strong, but I'm getting arthritic. And... My first thought was, you know, if I go in the woods looking for Bigfoot, I'm the one that's the weak old one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, the animals go for the weak and the tired or the young (laughs) and the sick. (laughs) Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't want to be out, and I don't run fast anyway, and I've got bad knees and bad feet too. And, you know, I just, you know, I can't, I'd have to take people in wheelchairs to be able to out and run somebody. <laughs> I gotcha. Anyway, yeah. I appreciate you calling me, Wes. I do feel a lot better now that I've shared this. Oh, I appreciate sharing. I appreciate coming right, on and sharing. And, and, yeah, and, and uh, your experience, I would, I would probably still be pooping my pants. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing, man. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I can't believe how cowardly I got really quick about Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. Once I saw him, you know, I was like, you know, I used to think, you know, I ain't no big deal. It's like Harry and the Hendersons, you know, big friendly fella hanging out in the woods. And then I'm like, you know, no, nature don't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. And then that finding Bigfoot show, I'm, you know, all I'm thinking is, you know, if y'all were going out looking for a grizzly bear, would y'all be go- going out going, let's take little children out to look for grizzly bears. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it wouldn't happen. I, I, yeah, that show drives me crazy, but I still yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's still fun to hear people's encounters. <laughs> All right, well, you have a wonderful night. I hope you get some rest in. All right, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Bye. Our next guest is Gail Beatty from the Hudson Valley area of New York State. Uh, she has what I would consider a situation going on that's very similar to the Browns in the Chehalis area of Washington State. Welcome, Gail, to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Is this, is this Wes? <laughs> yeah, this is Wes. I got okay. uh, Will and Shannon on the line. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're Hi, welcome. Gail. Thanks for having me. Hi, guys and girls. Yeah, thank you, Gail. I'm excited and a little nervous. It's my first time, so. <laughs> Lots uh, of you'll stuff be happening. Yeah, uh, you'll do fine. What I want to do is, first of all, um, let's go back to the beginning when you first got involved in all this. Before we talk about anything that's going on there, tell us a little bit about your background and how you 
got involved in this subject? All right. Well, I grew up in Pine Plains, New York, and at the base of Stissing Mountain, and we have two lakes, uh, one across the street from our house and then another big lake, and um, I grew up hunting, fishing, horseback riding, camping, milking cows on friends' farms, and, you know, just an outdoors person. And one evening, I guess I was maybe about 14 or 15, I got grounded by my parents for something I did, so I didn't tell anybody. I just decided I was going to go up on the mountain and uh, camp out there by myself. So I took my tent and set it up. It was still light out, and uh, it started to get dark out, and I was fine. I'd always been up in the woods and, you know, never had any fear of anything, And when it started to get dark, all of a sudden, I heard this owl really loud and really close, and it sounded like a great horned owl to me. So I was like, okay, it's just an owl, don't worry, you know, nothing's going to hurt you. And a few seconds later, this god-awful, like, scream, yell, howl, the loudest, most terrifying sound I had ever heard in my life sounded like it was within feet of my tent and I just froze I couldn't even move I couldn't you know I I was just paralyzed with fear so I don't know how long I stayed there but um, finally I got up enough nerve and I just ran down the hill and burst into the house and my parents were like where were you you know what's the matter you're all white and shaking And I said, something is up on that mountain, and I don't know what it is, but it's after me. And at that point, I had never heard of the Patterson-Gimlin film. I had never heard of Bigfoot. I had no idea they existed. So years later, you know, I went through my life, got married, had children and everything, and uh, moved back up here because for a while I moved down to Putnam County and... uh, And I continued to hunt while I was down there and fish and everything. But when I moved back up here, I decided to uh, Google, um, because I was watching Finding Bigfoot, and I said, geez, you know, some of these sounds are, it could be what I heard on the mountain. Maybe it was a Bigfoot. So I Googled Bigfoot sightings in Dutchess County, and the first one that popped up was a sighting back in the 80s that two women had on Lake Road in Pine Plains, New York, which is the road I I lived on, I grew up on. So that sparked my curiosity. That was in January of 2012. So I started going online, reading everything I could find about the Bigfoot and being a hunter and a tracker. It just was a natural thing for me to start going out into the woods and investigating And that's basically, you know, I decided to start my own group. And three years later, here I am. (laughs) You you have a lot of a lot of pictures of tracks and some other images and films and things. Um, Geez, I don't even know where to begin. I guess I'll leave that up to you. Um, You know, what kind of things did you start finding and, and maybe just kind of take us through your investigations? Yeah, um, we first, I guess I started out locally in Tivoli, New York, which, well, let me tell you, where I live, we own 10 acres on what's called the Sauk Hill Creek, and it's a tributary to the Hudson River. And I'm like five minutes away from the Hudson, and we can see the Catskill Mountains, not from our house, but right up the road or down the road from us. And so um, I started, you know, I have a lot of friends that own farms and property. So I started out uh, going to this farm in Tivoli where they raise all kinds of birds and cattle and pigs and everything. And so I started out investigating up there, figuring, you know, that may be a good spot. And I always start out at the water source, so he has a small pond and a creek running through there. 
and uh, didn't take us too long because he actually had a sighting of a black Sasquatch looking in the window of their home about maybe eight or nine years ago by his niece. So I said, okay, that's a good way to start. So we went to the farm and went to the water source, and sure enough, you know, within the first couple of times of going out, we noticed tracks along this, um, like this road that the farmers use, you know, with the tractors and everything. And so I cast that track, and I think that was 17 inches. Um, Then we started looking along the barbed wire fence, and we found some hair, and it just mushroomed from there. We've had, you know, we've actually heard uh, wood knocks while we were investigating. We heard a couple of hoops. Uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of activity on that farm. He actually, the farmer told me that the cows will not go into that area where we found the tracks and that um, at one point they stampeded and broke down this fence that had like metal on either side and the cows like something spooked them out of there and they actually broke through the fence to get out of there and they won't go back in that area so you know we put up trail cams in the beginning thinking that we would possibly get something on that and you know that didn't happen we never get anything except normal wildlife. I think we got a marten and, you know, different regular animals, but we haven't really had any luck with the trail cams and the Sasquatch. So from there, um, you know, the group started to get more and more interest from different local people and more people wanting to get involved. Um, I usually always bring my shotgun when I go, not to harm a Sasquatch, but for protection, because we do have mountain lion and bear and bobcat and whatnot. So I don't feel comfortable going without some kind of protection whenever I go. And certain areas I can't bring my shotgun, like the new investigation area is a um, a wildlife sanctuary. So, um, you know, you're a little bit uncomfortable at times because we have found, you know, other tracks of, um, I think I sent it to Will, of a dog-like track. And, you know, that's kind of intimidating <laughs> when you're out sure. there. But, yeah. But, you know, we've just found so much evidence and so many reports coming in that it's just mushroomed and it's keeping me hopping. (laughs) (laughs) How many different different Sasquatches do you think are in that particular area? The farm, I think there's at least five. Uh, We've gotten tracks from... I think four individuals ranging in size from six inches to, I think, 20 inches. And then from the farm, uh, a fellow came to my house because I have a silhouette of a Bigfoot. It's an eight-foot-tall silhouette that my son's made for me. And he saw that as he was passing by this man. And so he came to my house uh, about a little over a year ago and he said he's got some strange activity going on, and he started telling me about it, and it turns out it's the next road over from the farm. So once I started going there and realized that these are the same clan because the tracks you know, measured up about the same size, then we started investigating there, and that's when... Oh, all you know we found so much evidence there and we had our really frightening encounter on December 30th of 2013 yes what so, what happened with that encounter oh god well we we didn't have a FLIR camera and we had been studying these um bigfoot for quite some time and the homeowner had been feeding them and they would take the food. They would throw uh, rocks at him when he was driving his tractor. He's had them pounding on the side of his house at night, 
climbing on, jumping on his roof, um, leaving him deer heads and uh, stones and sticks and, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff there. So um, I said, well, let's call, uh, I guess one of the guys from Massachusetts called and said, I have a FLIR camera and I'd love to come to your area and, you know, bring the camera. So the two guys came from Massachusetts and we... We went into, first we went into this area and it was still light out and we were doing a little video clip and just checking it out during the daylight with them and we got a couple of wood knocks. So, you know, it was real cold out that day and, and we said, all right, let's go in and have something to eat, wait till it gets dark and then we'll go out and we'll gift them at the fence where the homeowner was gifting them. So... We waited till about 8 o'clock, and we went outside, and we weren't at 30 yards from the house, maybe even less, when the Bigfoot started throwing rocks at us, snapping off tree branches. We didn't have any vocalizations at all, which, you know, I was surprised, but just started going crazy. So the homeowner was very brave, and he and the other investigator started heading towards the fence and the fellow with the FLIR camera and myself stayed together and just kind of let them, you know, work their way to the fence. And, you know, I'll be honest, I was pretty scared. And so these things just, I, they broke trees that were enormous in, in girth. And I have all the photographs, and the next day we actually, you know, did a video to show people the trees that these things broke. We saw some eyes shine, but then when he finally made contact with the FLIR camera, uh, there were about five of them, and we got him on the FLIR. So he's like, contact, contact. So he was passing the camera so each of us could look at them through the FLIR. And uh, when he passed it to me, I'm a lefty, and I hit the wrong button and shut the darn camera off. But um, anyway, we Uh do have a few. Yeah, I know. I'll never hear the end of that. (laughs) But um, we do have some footage that we will be releasing when we do our documentary. So for now, you know, we have it, and we do show it at our presentations and stuff, but we don't want to put it out there yet. So it's just been a wild ride. I can't even believe that there's so many of them around here in the Hudson Valley. And we're only two hours north of Manhattan. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an area you would never, you would never think, you know, that part of the country, but it's pretty, it's pretty uh, rural there, right? Yes, yeah, we have farms around us and um, orchards of all kinds and uh, plenty of deer, muskrat and beaver and fox and, uh, you know, it is, it is. it's very rural here, actually. And where I live is perfect habitat for them because this creek goes through and then it opens to a pond and then there's a waterfall, and then it heads across Route 9G and to the Hudson River. So they have so much food here that (laughs) they're here year-round. I mean, maybe some of them might migrate, and we do seem to have a lot more activity this time of year, in the dead of winter, and we have over a foot of snow right now. Mm -hmm. So it's incredible. No, Gil, you had sent, uh, I think, Will, a picture of what looked mm-hmm. like something behind a tree. It was a pretty good picture, actually. Um, I, You know, I don't think it was, uh, what do they call it, pareidolia. Uh, it's oh, definitely the something. man one? The one standing, the light-colored one? Yeah, that was creepy. That was, um, we are investigating that wildlife sanctuary, and uh, we had gone out that day, I think there were four or five of us, and Connie Emming, one of our members, has taken over um, the photography part of it because she's really good with the uh, camera. She bought a new little Sony HD camera. So she was walking behind us and filming. And, well, earlier, well, let me back up a little bit. 
We went to this place where we investigate, Tuary, a couple of weeks before that photo was taken. And I was with Johnny Angel. It's uh, He's also a psychic, and he likes to, you know, he's good in the woods. And Connie and this new guy, Brian, who had never been Bigfooting before. So for some reason, Johnny suggested that we split up and that Connie and Brian take the higher trail and Johnny and I would take the main trail. Well, they're about 15 minutes into their high trail, they started to hear, you know, these sounds like Connie's like, I keep hearing something behind us, you know. And so they continued to walk, you know, slowly, and she was filming. And then they said, well, okay, well, let's stop and take a drink, and we'll meet up with Gail and Johnny down on the other trail. So as soon as they stopped and took their backpacks off and started drinking the water, and, of course, the camera was shut off at that point, they started getting these loud, like, whack, whack, whack. And so she's starting to text me to see if that was Johnny and I messing around or something. And I I texted her back and I said, where are you? You know, you were supposed to meet us. And so then she realized it wasn't us. And it, then it happened again, like six or seven whacks, as loud as anything. So they just grabbed their packs and they took off. And then they met us down at the main trail and they were both visibly shaken. And so we got get home and we review the video. And in that video, there is a huge, what I believe is a female Sasquatch with a young infant like on her left shoulder, clinging to her left shoulder and a juvenile in front of her, and the mother Sasquatch has a stick in her hand, and the juvenile has a stick. And I've tried to, I sent this film to uh, a producer, John Matuzzi, who um, is a filmmaker, and he did edit it, edited the video and slowed it down, so we do have a clip, but it's from probably 40 to 50 yards away, and you know, it's not the perfect money shot, as you would say, but it, it's incredible. So we think that, you know, they got a little too close, and when they stopped to drink, then she felt threatened because she had the two young with her, and then she spooked him out of there. So we have that clip, and um, that was amazing. We've had other uh, times out there, so then the next time we went... Oh, no, what's that? Let me think. No, that's the same clip that that dog-like creature or whatever it is was standing when we were reviewing the clip and looking at the mother Bigfoot with the two young. There was that creature standing maybe 20 to 30 yards from the trail that Connie and Brian were on and from the mother Sasquatch was just standing there. And, you know, I just happened to freeze frame each frame, and there I saw it. And I sent it to Mm -hmm. Scott Carpenter, and he said, you know, it's not black like the dog man that he has in his picture, but he definitely said, you know, it could be, but we don't exactly know what it is. Some kind of creepy-looking thing, but it never, you know, tried to attack us or anything. Now, let me ask you a question. In the beginning, you were talking about the farmer that, mm-hmm. did you say he was feeding them? No, not the farmer. Um, he doesn't feed them. But the habituator, which I'll call Doc, because I have to protect him, because he still has activity on a daily basis there. So, But, yeah, he feeds them. And he's only maybe six miles from here, from my home. And he has activity all the time. Does he notice a lot of bad behavior? Um, yeah, he's he's gotten, you know, like, I don't know if you guys believe in, like, infrasound or zapping, but this man, he has been hit so many times with, you know, something like that makes him, and I've physically, you know, witnessed it with my own eyes, that night of the 30th when we encountered the 
you know, Sasquatch and they were breaking down the trees and everything. Not only did the homeowner get zapped, but the man with the FLIR camera got zapped. And I was like right next to them and they didn't hit me with it. But the other guys were like shaking, uh, nauseous. Uh, I mean, really, it was bad. And, you know, we didn't stay out there too much longer after that because it was frightening. I mean, terrifying. Yeah, this sounds like probably a display in that case, you know, sort of a warning to keep your distance. Right, exactly. But, you know, he, the homeowner has experienced some very negative things there. And, you know, I've warned him not to go out there at night alone, um, you know, but you can only do so much. I mean... Does he him. continue to feed them? Does he what? Continue does he continue to feed, to feed them? Yeah, yeah, does he continue yeah. to feed them? Yeah, every night he feeds mm. them. Do you get any many reports of animals, you know, domestic animals, livestock and such come up missing around there? Uh, yeah, actually three days ago, one of my bait customers came in and he lives in Pine Plains. And he said that a friend of his has a farm and a calf just vanished. They have no idea where it went. They didn't see any drag marks or blood or anything. And he took one of my cards. And then he also reported another lady in Pine Plains that has a dog kennel that's having um, activity around the kennel, which is pretty common. I've gotten two other reports of, um, you know, dog from people that have dogs that have been harassed by the Bigfoot. And, you know, I told him they will kill and eat domestic animals and don't leave your dog out in the pen at night. You know, it's crazy. But most people aren't even aware that these things are exist, number one. And if they do hear about them, they think there's only one. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to educate these people to what's really happening. Because, you know, when they encounter something like that and not even, you know, realizing they just go off in the woods or, you know, go for a hike by themselves and they have no clue as to what's, what's out going there. on around there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Gail, I was wondering, as far as you, your research as of late, I was wondering mm-hmm. how often you feel threatened or in danger, or do you at all? Um, actually, I, I have a healthy respect for them. I, um, you know, I'm always on guard, as well as our other team members. We usually go out with at least four people, and most often one of us is armed, um, I, after seeing that wolf-like track and seeing that wolf-dog-type creature, that really um, kind of scared me more than the Bigfoot <laughs> for some reason. Mm-hmm. And now I know why, because I've been looking at a lot more dog-man encounters online lately, and it's pretty frightening. So, um, yeah, I I haven't... Um, other than that night of the 30th, and if they were going to kill me, they would have done it then, I think. But um, that was the most frightening encounter. And the night, the first time I heard that horrible howling scream, that was terrifying. But since then, you know, I mean, I do respect their area and, you know, I don't want to push them, and I don't want to chase them. I already know they exist, and I don't need to prove it to anyone. I'm just documenting my findings and trying to educate the public right now and taking lots of reports. <laughs> I actually got three report three last week from the same road, and, uh, you know, they didn't know each other. They one guy, Larry, called. He had maple syrup lines that he was checking, and he noticed that some of the lines were ripped out. And uh, he looked on the ground, and there's a bunch of Sasquatch tracks. So he called me first. The next night, this man, Chris, called the same road, right down the road from Larry. 
he, his dog was out in the pen barking and carrying on. He went outside to check to see what was wrong, shined the flashlight on the ground. There's tracks all around the dog pen. So he called me, and he was in a panic. I mean, he was, you know, because he's originally from the city, and he said, if I would have known these things were around here, I would have never bought this house. And he said, I'm packing up and going back to the city tonight. (laughs) So that was like, oh, I felt so bad for him. And so so then two days after Chris called me with the dog incident, this man Donald called in the same road, and he said that his, he had just bought 12 acres of land on that road and they cut all the trees down this past summer. And he made a dirt bike track for his son and he took his son out the other, last week to ride the dirt bike and they were getting pelted with rocks. And he said, geez, you know, maybe these rocks are getting kicked off the back of the motorcycle tire but then they started to see the rocks, <laughs> and they weren't big rocks, but, you know, they started to see them coming from, you know, the wood line. So they got out of there, and he called me, and he was, you know, kind of upset, and he's like, um, you know, is my son safe to, to be out there, you know, riding his dirt bike alone? And I said, well, they do like to observe children and people in general, but... You know, I don't think I would let him go there alone, <laughs> you know. And then yeah, that's I, good advice. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I with the I don't know how you guys feel about the missing 411, but it's kind of creepy when you hear about all these things and these people disappearing, and especially children, that, you know, I don't, I really don't want people to be harmed in any way, but you know, or disappear, but you don't want to spook them either so that they don't want to go out in the forest anymore. Yeah. That's kind of a tough balance at this point with all this, because you know, you, you want to, you want to make sure people are aware, but like you said, you don't want to scare them either. Right. Much more encounter stories coming up. If you're listening to this on SasquatchChronicles.com to the full uncut audio from this interview, hang tight. We'll be right back. Otherwise, I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. And if you're out there listening on your podcast player, iTunes, Stitcher, however you're listening to us, if you get a chance, please visit us at SasquatchChronicles.com. Thanks so much, everyone. We will see you next week.